G'day everybody and welcome to What the Dictator, the podcast where we talk about dictators. I'm Rossi and that's LK. G'day mate. How's your shit? Um, just recovering from Thanksgiving yesterday, ate too much food, drank too much wine, we'll probably do the same again today. So you're very grateful that I sat up straight to record this podcast. <laughs> you? Yes, I feel very blessed that you did that. <laughs> You're welcome. What's what's going on your end of the world? Oh, mate, obviously we don't do Thanksgiving in Australia, although I have one time been asked by an American why, which is a bit bit concerning for her. Um, I'm all about Christmas. I went yesterday and bought like shitloads of Christmas decos and then I had anxiety about choosing a tree, so I didn't get one, but I need to get one before December 1. Oh, mate, this is great for you. Is there an overarching theme to your decorations this year? I'm just going with traditional red, green, gold. Yeah. I think if there was ever a year to keep it traditional, it's probably 2020. We're not here to talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're here to talk about the Cold War. Which is really hard, turns out. It is really hard. We're going to do a brief kind of Cold War explained ep today, similar to the British Royal Family explained episode we did on our other podcast, We'll Never Be Royals. And I mean, that was okay. And we found some really great information while we were recording that ep. So maybe this one will go the same way. Okay. That sounds amazing. But I'm big host today, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) I literally have like five bullet points in front of me and the rest of it is going to be from my memories of VCE International Studies. So let's go. I'm always so astounded that you can remember so much stuff from International Studies because literally the only thing I remember from high school is in English, we watched this documentary about the similarities between Winston Churchill and George Orwell. And that's literally the only thing I remember about high school. (laughs) Well, you and I were very different people in high school, mate. And um, I think your priorities were elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. Okay. So the Cold War, let's start with the basics. Okay. So, Yep. So after the Second World War, Russia and the USA get all up in each other's grills to be the best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. As they are still doing today, but that's for a different pod. (laughs) Yes. So it was communism versus capitalism. And we know who won. Yeah. Who won? The capitalists. (laughs) Okay. Just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently it was titled The Cold War because it never actually heated up into actual combat, but there was combat, so... Yeah, I found a stat that said that it was called The Cold War because the US and Russia never actually, like, tried to invade each other and fight each other directly, but estimated that 11 million people were killed in all the offshoot conflicts. Wow, that is a lot of people. Yeah, I know. But like to get that number, they count the Vietnam War as like a Cold War conflict that was its own thing, but it was also clearly part of the Cold War. If there was no Cold War, there'd be no Vietnam War. 
Mm-hmm. Weird. And also I didn't kind of realise this, but it went for a really fucking long time, like from 1945 to 1989. Yeah. Like we were alive in 1989. <laughs> we were. Do you remember the Berlin Wall coming down? No. Nah. Sometimes I think I do. <laughs> what year did the Berlin Wall come down? I think it was 1990 and that's like that was the final nail in the coffin because that came down. Um, basically it was just a bunch of people rose up really quickly and just did it and I think that was said to the Soviets like, oh, we've lost control. Like they don't care if we aim rifles at them and try to kill them, they're going to knock this wall down anyway. Yeah, okay. Well, let's come back to the Berlin Wall because I feel like you actually know a lot of stuff about the Berlin Wall like off the top of your head. Yeah, I did also do VCE German, very Berlin Wall heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the key players in the Cold War, obviously USA and Russia, but there was also from Russia there was Stalin, Khrushchev, Breshnev and Gorbachev. Right. And where did Lenin come in? Was he before all of them? Yeah, Lenin was before Stalin. Yeah, okay, got it, got it, got it. Between Breshnev and Gorbachev, there's two old guys that became leader of Russia, but they were so old that they were in three years, they both died, came into office, died, and then another one came in, died. Uh, not comforting considering that Joe Biden is about to become president and is also old as balls. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Um, and then USA, it was Truman, who uh, I don't want to be controversial here, but he is the bloke that submits the Amazon Prime order for the hydrogen bomb. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And he also dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. So, like, I don't know, mate, them's fighting words. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to be bomb heavy, you really got to be willing to deal with the consequences. Yeah. And then after Truman, it was Eisenhower, Kennedy, LVJ, Nixon, then the Watergate thing happened, Ford, Carter, and then Reagan was the last president to have to deal with the Cold War. Bloody lot of them, isn't there? So many. Ugh. Christ. A couple of other key players, Castro being one of them, which you did an episode in this season of uh, What the Dick, Taylor. He's, um, he's like 87 pairs of army greens that he wears exclusively. <laughs> yep. Um, and then also Churchill at the beginning a little bit. Oh, just like in The Crown, but that's a different pod. Okay. And then key countries, Korea, North Korea, Cuba, China, and then the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. And I think like it was also just kind of everywhere. So with the Eastern Bloc, the countries are Poland, Czechoslovakia, uh, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, East Germany. Let's come back to that. Um, Yugoslavia until 1948, they didn't last very long, and then Albania until 1960. Okay. And what happens after 1960 in Albania? Do they get to be independent? Yeah, they no longer side with the with Russia. Oh, yeah. Risky move. I mean, yeah, it, but Jesus. So because, I mean, I hear people bang on, including you, about the Eastern Bloc all the time, but it's hard to understand what that means. But it's legit just a block of countries all grouped together that were controlled by communist Russia. Yeah, it's, you know, 
Eastern Bloc, like phrases like that, it's kind of like trying to talk about finances. They just make shit sound way more complicated than it is because a lot of people get paid a lot of money to talk about how complicated it is. But it's actually not that complicated. (laughs) Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, I am. And so these countries are controlled by Russia and basically they just, they're forced to look up to their big cousin Russia the most prominent nation with the leading people and follow their communist ideas. And I think for some, oh, excuse me, yawn came out. I think in some places they really, really pushed the Russian language on people that didn't speak Russian as well. Yep, yep, yep. And so the Russia, communist Russia were against progress. Um, So these Eastern Bloc countries were forced to suppress any kind of real or potential opposition. So even if you thought about opposing the government, they would be on to you. Yeah, it's a bit uh, it's a bit North Korean, if you will. So Winston Churchill does this speech and this is where the phrase Iron Curtain is coined. Ooh. And that's in like the 40s, right, he does that? Uh, yeah, he does it pretty early on. He actually does his speech um, in America. Huh. So he's going for the jugular and then gets out of office and everyone else has to deal with it. Yeah, yeah so the Iron Curtain is just this this phrase used to uh, this imaginary line that separates the Eastern Bloc of Russian communist-controlled countries and Western Europe. Yeah, yeah. Again, not as complicated as it sounds. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, and so then there's all these um, bloody proxy wars that happen. The Cuban Missile, what do they call it? Cuban Missile Strike? Dilemma? Debacle? (laughs) Crisis. Crisis. (laughs) (laughs) The CMC. Yep, and then Vietnam War. Yep. And then also the Korean War. Yeah, (laughs) yep. Everyone's involved. And then East and West Germany. Yeah, and also this is not a war but like the space race. Yeah, the space race. Who can get to the bloody moon first? Yeah, and I read somewhere like it was really complicated because the first race was like to shoot off a rocket and I think the Russians did that and then the second was to like get a human in space and I think the Russians did that first and the Russians did everything first except get a man on the moon. Once the US got a man on the moon, they thought really hard about testing nukes on the moon. They were going to like make it a testing site. I probably didn't think that through because do we all die if the moon gets blown up? Oh, probably. There's probably some bad consequences. <laughs> yeah. It was probably bloody Truman. Oh, bloody Truman. With the space race, like Russia were far ahead for a long time and then as the Cold War progressed, they were not winning the space race anymore and their people were living in these, you know, shitty conditions uh, under all this restriction and they were like, well, we're not even winning the fucking space race. So, yeah, let's blow this popsicle stand. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, I might have told this story before from VCE International Studies, but I think <laughs> it would have been, I think, Gorbachev and Reagan, like towards the end, I think Gorbachev came to America and met with Reagan and they went and looked at a whole bunch of stuff and Reagan was like, see, look how good democratic capitalism is, like look how tall the buildings are and look how clean the streets are and look how wealthy some people can get and Gorbachev was like yeah 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 whatever and then they went into a supermarket and Gorbachev saw 
how much food there was on the shelves and how much variety there was. And that's when he was like, oh, there's something to this capitalism game. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, I mean, it's game changer, food for your people. Should we talk a little bit about the Berlin Wall now? I'll kind of, I'll tell you what I remember, but I've not fact checked. But basically, they split. So Germany was divided into East and West. And then they also divided the city of Berlin into four different quadrants. One, and everyone who was quote unquote a victor in World War II got a section. So there was a Russian section, a US section, a British section, and a French section. And the US, British, and French was obviously all capitalist. And the Russian section, they wanted to be communist. And Berlin was technically in East Germany. So it's this little tiny section of the West, but it's in East Germany. So they were having trouble getting along, obviously. And, um, the Russians were like, you know, fucking with the food supply and whatever. And so one night the Soviets just like put barbed wire down the middle of Berlin. And so if you were visiting a neighbour that night in West Berlin but you were from East Berlin, you could just never go back. And then there was more fuckery with food supply and the Western soldiers had to like fly over and drop food into West Berlin because otherwise people couldn't get it. Like they were just stranded in this communist country but they were not communist and so it just lived like that for god like 30 40 years until they knocked it down and prior to the wall being built there was the division east germany was russian aligned west germany u.s aligned but the people could move freely between the two between east and west so they could see the people that lived in the the Russian side could see how well the Western side was doing, how it was prospering and how they had these freedoms that they didn't have. And so the Russian, you know, propaganda machine was not able to do its job. Like this was the leak. Yeah, yeah. And so there's all these like stories of people that literally dug tunnels to get out of East Berlin and like there's horrible stories of people because there's a like a demilitarized zone in the middle that doesn't belong to anyone and there's armed guards on either side and there's stories of like people trying to cross over getting stuck in that middle zone getting shot by one side and just being left to bleed out and die because neither side wants to go in and help so dark it is a bit dark. In my quote-unquote research, <laughs> one of my points says that the internet was born out of the Cold War because um, the US wanted a way for their military arms to be able to really quickly communicate stuff to each other and so they created the internet. Wow. Yeah, isn't that cool? Wasn't um, Biz like one of the first people to have email? Yeah, I think so. I can love her. For those who don't listen to our other podcast, we're talking about Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> oh, yeah, when we say biz. <laughs> we're just that familiar with her, we just gave her a new nickname. Yeah, she's so hot. The term third world country came from the Cold War because the US considered themselves first world, like the best in the world. They considered the Russians to be second because they were the second superpower. And then countries that were still developing and weren't aligned with either were considered third world. Wow. That's um, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's telling. I don't think it's PC to use the term third world country anymore because uh, that's pretty rude. But yeah, that's how it's. All right. Hmm. 
Mm. I can't, noted that as well. Don't say third world country. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a politics ex- expert, but I think the term that we use now is developing country. Yeah, that's true. You're spot on. Mm. So many spot on facts today from you. I know. Who knew? They're only being um, qualified by me, who perhaps isn't spot on though. So, so the Cold War ends because Reagan and Gorbachev sign a treaty in 1987, and so that's kind of when it all is starts to wrap up. But it takes two more years of um, bureaucracy before it actually ends. That's nuts. With some fun facts about the Cold War. Hmm. You explained in a previous ep about the <laughs> Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> I did. And you might have mentioned this, but the, so the Army has all these code names at DEFCON 2. So it starts at 5 and it goes to 1, and Cuban Missile Crisis was DEFCON 2, and that's the highest it's ever been. Oh, my God. So, like, people yep. are really shitting themselves. Yep. Um, even for 9-11, hang on, let me get my little table up. 9-11 was only DEFCON 3. Wow. So DEFCON 5 is normal peacetime, so peacetime readiness. So just, you know, get you ready on. 4 is moderate, increased security. So it was like used sporadically in the Cold War and War on Terror. Yeah. Then DEFCON 3 is substantial. So that means the Air Force is ready in 15 minutes. So they use that for 9-11 and a couple of other times. Wow. But this font's too small. I can't read the other time. (laughs) This is me on a tangent. But um, what do you reckon it was when they, remember maybe a year or two ago, they sent out that text message in Hawaii that was like, you're all going to die immediately? Remember that? Uh, yep. Do you remember that? Yeah, maybe that was um, DEFCON 3. Yeah. Air Force ready in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the only other thing I have to talk about these DEFCON uh, codes is that DEFCON 2 means army ready in six hours. Okay. And then they've never got to this DEFCON 1, but it's critical and it's um, nuclear war imminent. What would you do? Say you get the text message that's like, DEFCON 1, what do you do? Just on um, like missiles, apparently during the Cold War, the USA have lost 14 atomic missiles in the ocean. Oh, Jesus. They just lost them. Um, I don't like that. <laughs> and I think there's probably some three-eyed dolphins somewhere, right? Right. And also... Um, they don't know how many Russia have lost. Oh, my God. Why? This would not happen if women ran the world. No, no way. There'd be no bloody hydrogen bombs. No, and we certainly wouldn't lose any of them if there were. I know. They're having what I like sexistly refer to as a boy look, where you look something but you're a boy so you don't really look hard enough. <laughs> Uh, all the US presidents having a boy look for these bloody <laughs> missiles. Yep, yeah. they are. All right, mate, final bit of this Cold War experience. Yeah. If 
you were to go on a first date with the Cold War, where would you go? What would you do? And how would the night end? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay. Oh, I've got it. Okay. I'm in Berlin. We go for donuts because it, there was a famous speech that Kennedy gave in Berlin where he said, Ich bin Berliner meaning to say I am a Berliner, but actually what it translated to in German was I am a donut. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Yep. Um, So I'm in Berlin. We'd have a donut. And then when I wasn't looking, old mate would get the barbed wire out and I would just be stuck and then he'd go off and do his communist thing and it would be over. Which side do you stay on? Um, Well, I think it would be really, really interesting to stay on the east side, but I think ultimately all the, um, what's the the KBG and the East German secret police, that'd all get a bit much for me. You know, like I don't want people telling on me and I don't really want to tell on other people. So I'd probably stay on the west. Yep. Okay. All right, good. Uh, we didn't talk about, much about the KGB, but um, it's not actually called the KGB anymore. After 1991, they changed the name to the FSB. Don't ask me what it stands for. Even the KGB is something Russian. Yeah. But basically it's Committee for St- State Security. Yeah, right. And during the Cold War, KGB are like super good at knowing about US spies. So the Russians had heaps of spies in America, but as soon as an American spy would come into Russia – the KGB were like, ha-ha, fucker, we already know about you. And as soon as they land, they'd be like, capture them. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they were just too good at it. And now all they do is like rig uh, Olympic drug testing results, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I was doing my research for this pod, I remembered that I know someone who studied Russian politics at university in England. Oh, my God specifically because she knew the KGB recruited from (laughs) the university that she went to and she was like just gagging to be recruited as a spy. Yeah. I really want that for her. All right. Well, I hope that helped to explain the Cold War. It is very complicated and goes on for a very long time. So that was just a short, shallow dive, as we say on this podcast. Into the Cold War, but just for context, because people talk about the Cold War all the time, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and now you can at least pretend like you know something. Yeah, I'll be like, oh yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, Cute. and then I can and I can reel off my fun facts about the missing atomic bombs. Yeah, yeah fucking great. Thanks very much for listening, and see you all of a sudden. Bye. Rossi, guess what? You're mad and I'm not. Haha, <laughs> no, we aren't journalists. No, we are not. Sometimes we get confused with the facts and our accuracy is not always on point. Agree. If you have questions for us or comments about anything we cover, you can get in touch with us on our email. Hello at lkandrossi.com Or you can check out our website, lkandrossi.com. Love you. See you all of a sudden.